Welcome to episode 19 of the Cards and Cartridges podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, a.k.a. OG Retro. I'm here with my man, Chris, a.k.a. Koozie Retro Games. My man, how you doing today, bro? Good. Um, pushing everything up an hour today. Live claim sale happening at 7 today, which will be in the past for you guys. Got a buddy's uh, birthday tonight. We're going out to the bar to celebrate, so we'll be hammering beers during the claim sale to get ready. Um other than that, doing good. Scout's doing really well. Uh, the, little, the little puppy, she's she's learning really well. She's learning come and sit. I Love mean, she it. just got normal puppy energy, like getting into things, nibbling has on she, everything. Has she bit a video game yet? Has she chewed up any video games yet? Is not because uh, it's coming. A, she she tried to get into a PS3 cord. She's big into cords. She okay. chewed up Becca's MacBook cord and her okay. phone charger. Okay, so you got to keep an eye out for the cords. I see. I see. I'm in a new space. I'm in this uh, temporary office that I redid. Koozie thought he was going to be able to come at me with some jokes because uh, <laughs> he thought my space might have been similar to his, aka a little bit suspicious. Uh, but no, it's beautiful. It's it's fun. It's nice. And I'm enjoying it. And I think uh, the, the studio space with the podcast is going to work nice right here. I might... Awesome. Dude, I was thinking... I might be able to have some like live in person guests right here too. Like I have some like if we have a a guest on and they can be right here, I think that'd be pretty cool because there are some people that that'd live in dope. this area that are uh, pretty uh, iconic collectors, if you will, and uh, they're good peeps, and I know. So, iconic. anyways, yeah, we'll we'll get into that maybe in a I future just, episode. I need Matteo to come across. I need Matteo to come across Lake Michigan and come out. Matteo, if you're listening, Hell hop yeah. on the ferry, come Let's across Lake Michigan. I'll buy you a Coney dog. We'll Coney sell dogs, some games. sell some games. All right. But here are the topics for today. Uh, by this time, the giveaway winner will have been announced. So we appreciate all the comments and all the suggestions for podcast topics on the giveaway. And congratulations to everyone. Uh, We're announcing that literally right after this. So we don't even know ourselves yet. Uh, but anyways, topics for today. Some of these were drawn from those giveaway suggestion topics, whatever you want to call them. Noah Burt 777 wanted to hear our thoughts on restoration. Uh, what parts of cons- what parts of a console or game are most important to restore? And what would instantly bring up or down the value? What would you not change? Repro labels, shell swap, someone's name carved in the plastic. What's the worst restoration you've seen? That's some good good quality content. I think we can both speak on it. Uh, and NY retro gamer wanted to know about how cultural zeitgeist like Gary V Logan Paul have shifted the collecting culture. Uh, he says, we obviously know what Logan has done, but Gary has been preaching about collecting and M- NFTs for a while now. And, uh, I've got some stuff to add on that. And, uh, Kuzi brought up a good topic. He wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, PVMs and gaming monitors. So, uh, I, in- I interpreted that as like PVMs being retro gaming monitors being like, uh, modern uh, technology, and I'm down to talk yeah. about both. Um, it's something I definitely have experience in. Uh, and then lastly, we're going to be talking about long-term collection goals and the 10-year plan for our collection specifically. Um, and that's it for today. But I think I think it's a stacked lineup. Yes. Stacked lineup. We're going to go four for four. 100%. What do you think... Uh, right off the bat, worst restoration you've ever seen. Do you, does anything Oof. stick out to you? No, not really. 
you get in i mean i picked up an xbox 360 bundle uh like a week and a half ago and it's like your typical like probably the kid who owned it thought he was a hydro dipping like master and he could just like mm. custom paint his controllers or whatever and mm. it it doesn't look good to where even like the point where like it's like equal value but adds a cool factor it just looks bad to like the controllers yeah that reminds me i used to do that shit when i was a kid and i so yeah. maybe myself maybe it's me what was the worst <laughs> restoration you've seen me when i was like a young a younger modder my shit was so bad, but like I thought it was cool, but it was bad. Like the spray paint jobs are awful. So like, oh yeah, spray paint's a pretty. If you don't do spray paint right, in a in like I don't know if you're trying to restore with paint. Like restoring with any type of paint seems kind of whack. I don't know. Like if you were to try and, and that's more custom. No, but like imagine. So for instance, for instance, people do this with like uh, Magic the Gathering cards not like okay just like inking in general so like if a card has uh like whitening on the edge they'll they'll like put sharpie marker on the edge to try and mask uh. the whitening on the edge so it's like kind of like that it's like that kind of restoration is so stupid because number one it's it inauthenticates the card it's like if you try to grade that like beckett doesn't even grade stuff with uh inking like that and like any type Alt of like, uh, don't they call it like alterations yeah isn't it like probably, probably something like that yeah so can't can't be doing that real um, quick talking yeah. about that um have you ever seen the ps you know how like psa will give you like a nine mc for like nine miscut yeah i saw today like an eight st st the stain did you see that yeah i saw that today too that was pretty pretty interesting stained i think it was gyarados right yeah yeah and i was like i don't know if that's like a factory stain or like you spilled coffee on it at your kitchen right. table and tried to greet it yeah i i also was a little confused like at what point what what qualifies a stain like because i can stain things a lot of ways i guess <laughs> clip that i feel like it would just like hurt the value a lot yeah i don't know okay back to the curious. restorations yeah i'm trying to think if i've seen anything like wild i feel like Dude, honestly, I like I said, I feel like I contributed to some crazy shit when I was a young modder. And but I've uh, also seen like really good stuff talking about like you we follow uh, our boy Retro Nintendo here on Instagram. He does oh, crazy yeah. custom work. Like he put like a PS2 in a Batman like stain, like a Batman yeah, like, the, like Super Nintendo and a Millennium Falcon. Yeah. You could do like crazy cool like custom work. When you like change the shell people like chain like do shell swaps all the time to really make like custom colors and stuff and it's cool right. but it's like you've seen that a million times but when you actually do something and like turn it into something that people haven't seen before it is so badass if you do it correctly 100 percent. um which okay so part of the question was which parts of a console or game are most important to restore and what would instantly bring up or down the value so i guess parts to restore i mean just the way I took that question was like, what parts should you like take care of most in your games or your systems? So I took that as like cleaning the pins, making sure your pins are polished on your cartridge. That's games. like the that's easiest, gonna help them. That's like the easiest one to do, you know? Yeah, clean your pins. If your game's really scratched, you can get it resurfaced. 
Um, even like, okay, so change, so something that I find that really helps bring up the value is changing the pins on an NES, especially when selling locally. People mm. don't want to have to put a game in, jiggle it around, pull it out, blow in it, put it in, jiggle it four times. You can buy pins on eBay for like five bucks shipped. And it's really simple to replace the pins on an NES and it's first try fires up every single time. Most old systems are pretty easy to work on uh, and with like very basic knowledge. And if then if you have like a little soldering skills, like you can yeah. work on like most of the other problems you would face in restoring some of these consoles. For instance, like Game Boy Colors, oftentimes they have, I think Game Boy Colors have three capacitors on them. And, uh, and they're like surface mount capacitors and they're uh, rather easy to get off and replace. And those are, those are like, it's one of the most common points of failure for that system. And it's pretty easy to do. Like the Similar, sound? Uh, yeah, the sound will go out because of capacitors or uh, I think uh, brightness levels or like the speed. I think it's, there's a variety of things they do, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not a electrical engineer, um, but I know they're important. And then with and that most being of the said, times, continue. I was gonna say, go ahead. I was say, most of the times, if you if you have that basic soldering skills and you find stuff with like dead speakers, you can get them for cheap, fix the speaker for two bucks, and then flip it and make a profit. That's true. Or add it to your collection. I've definitely yeah. done that before, like fix stuff and added it. Um, I think that. I have a I have an N64 controller behind me, and I think that one was like, I I brought that back from the grave, like it was in rough <laughs> shape, but it's in good good shape now. So like, one of the one of the most important things instantly bring up up the value is cleaning, like like a thorough cleaning, right? Yeah. I don't think you can as long as you don't damage the product with whatever you're cleaning it with, instantly brings up the value. Oh, and it just it's so much easier to sell things i may see a game i want to claim sale but if it's physically dirty it it, it annoys like why, why, why would i pay for it but then you hit it with a lysol wipe you're careful with a magic eraser etc it just the overall appearance is so much better it makes it so much easier to sell right no that's so that that's i think one of the first things i think uh for instance uh, Game Boy Color games with dead batteries. You replace a battery, which takes literally two minutes and uh, like $2 in parts. And that game instantly, you can charge. I mean, again, I'm not making up these prices, but the games go up significantly in value. I would say a good 10% at least, you know, if, if, if the battery is additional. Working. You're looking at like a Pokemon game. You're probably looking at an additional... 10 to 12 dollars for a good battery game yeah maybe even more right i agree um so that's that's another thing right there some things that would instantly bring down the value i think repro labels i don't like repro labels i think in very situational cases if there is no label on the game i guess throw a repro label on it but if there's a rip label I so here's my, yeah label. here's my question for you yeah i have a copy of pokemon ruby a copy of Emerald and a copy of Fire Red, all without labels. Mm. Do you? What do you think I should do? Should I see if I can get repro labels on eBay for a couple bucks each, or should I sell them at? A, you'd have to sell them at a heavy discount without the label. Obviously, you're not going to get retail with a repro label, but I feel like you hit in middle ground. Maybe you, maybe you get the repro labels, but don't put them on. 
and then sell them like that with the repro label if they want to put them on. Yeah, I don't know. Now, or just, or just don't go a couple bucks each, right? I... Or just don't go through the trouble and sell it without the label. You know. Yeah, that's that's my only thing because I was like, I'm against because it's not repo like it, labels too. It's not gonna. I don't think it would really increase the value much, if at all. I think it would. I think you'd hit a middle ground between authentic and no label at all. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, and then shell swaps. Uh, eh. Again, modding I mean, I've re- is cool. I've replaced like, back shell. I've I've replaced back like back shells like on N sixty four games. Like I'll have like a Mario Kart sixty four and I'll replace it with a Madden Madden sixty four or whatever. Very true. Very true. I'm down with that. Um, and I'm down with like mods, like Game Boy Color mods with shell swaps or you know that kind of stuff is cool. So I think a lot of times that can add value. Um, I'm not big into like having like repo repro games in my collection. Like I won't have nah. like a copy of like Musha repo repo repro. I don't even know that word sounds weird. Repro. You like, like repossess my repossess my car? Yeah, like that. Oh, all right. They're coming for the Chevy, bro. <laughs> you know, repo my Musha. I don't want that in my collection. Repo. Yeah. Um, even like if I found a game where I had like a, uh, a reproduction label on, I probably wouldn't keep it. It's just not my style. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I have a copy of Emerald reproduction cart. I just need to get rid of. And so. Oh, anyways, the, I picked different. up like. I had a nine hundred and eighty dollar pickup on my lunch break, just a ton of crap. And at the end, he threw in. I was trying to work out a deal on an additional N sixty four bundle, and we were at like two seventy five. He's like, "Here, give me two eighty and take these two repo games." It was like Mario Party three and Super Mario sixty four. So he threw those in for five bucks. I don't know. Maybe I'll use them to teach people what how to spot fake games, or if somebody just wants it for five bucks each. Facts. So, I mean, if you want to copy Mario Party three just to play, why not spend five bucks on a fake copy versus 60 on a regular copy it's a fair fair call don't endorse piracy here or uh fake games but it is what it is if you want to do that with your money uh for legality reasons of course Mm -hmm. um and i think i feel like that's kind of it anything else on that topic any uh any other restoration thoughts uh You've done I, oh. a couple. You've done a couple like restorations. Have you? You've done a shell stop on a Dreamcast, if I can remember correctly. I've done a couple things with Dreamcast, but those have mostly been like mods and stuff. Um, and like I've done the Game Cubes with the Game Cube loaders, which is uh, like taking out the disc drive and replacing with the SD card loader, so you can load all your games from SD card, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. And again, don't endorse piracy, but uh, you can do that, which is cool. Yes. You can do that. And so that's a pretty cool mod. And I think that adds value for sure. I mean, uh, so stuff like, like mods can definitely add value. And, and I would say if you're interested in that stuff, it's probably as simple as there's YouTube videos out there. Watch a YouTube video, learn how to do it, and like just go oh, at yeah. it. Oh, yeah. A lot of YouTube videos. Um, pretty easy stuff. Um, but yeah. Uh, second, let's segue into, uh, into another topic here. Chris, PVMs and monitors or gaming monitors in general, do you have any questions about it? Do you personally have any experience in this realm? Yeah, so somebody asked about it in 
the podcast on Instagram uh, giveaway post, and I was like, okay. I don't know a lot about it. I know you're – how many PVMs do you currently own? Currently, I have three PVMs and one professional computer CRT monitor. What's That's... the difference between a PVM and a professional computer CRT monitor? So PVM stands for professional video monitor. And this PVM is a specifically like Sony term, actually. Okay. So PVM is only Sony. Yes. But uh, professional video monitors are like, or professional broadcast monitors. So like broadcast monitors in general. So monitors that were used in, uh, in like broadcast television and video production um, and also hospitals and stuff, endosco- endoscopy monitors, like that kind of crazy stuff. Um, they are all all professional broadcast monitors, but maybe not all of them are PVMs because Sony PVM is like a brand. Now, is there a way to distinctively tell if some something is a PVM? If I walk up on a monitor at a garage yeah. sale, will I, just, will I just know or is there specific things I'm looking for? No, so 100%. I mean, and before I go into that, professional video monitors, like PVMs aren't all you want. Like Sony isn't the only brand that makes killer video monitors. Like um, like I've had JVC monitors too. And it's that's technically not a PVM, but like it's a it's a CRT professional broadcast monitor from back in the day used for like the highest of the highest quality video editing and graphics stuff like TV production and like movies made on these things. Like if you were, if you were a film studio in Hollywood or like a a movie studio in Hollywood, you had like many PVMs, like many, many, many. And so like the reason people use them like quickly for gaming is because simply that it's like the best quality you could possibly get period. Correct. Right. Like, so, and people will talk about like scan lines and that's people referring to scan lines. That's like the, it's the space between where the, the CRT guns are shooting. So there it's a cathode ray tube. So these cathode ray guns, basically, I guess, or cathode rays are shooting across the screen and these scan lines are, so it's just this incredible old technology, very very wild but it basically best way to play like your super nintendo your gamecube your uh the n64 even your wii will look i mean a lot of the wii stuff looks great on a standard def tv a lot of it looks good on an hd tv too but yeah uh but yeah so like retro video games look fantastic on these basically any 240p content looks amazing on cfgs and even more than that, like I connect my computer to the to the professional computer TV, professional computer monitor, basically. And that monitor, so that monitor was used for like photo editing back in the day. So the color on it is just like incredible. It's and, so uh, crazy. And it's like, yeah, it's like a 30-year-old monitor and it's still, uh, it. I can use it with Windows 10 and the current gen graphics cards. And it's, it's just, so it's technology that's... Uh, that's still very viable today. Um, still, and it, it's like a, at this point, it's a like real cool niche, I think in the retro gaming hobby, because uh, like 
a lot of people are into it now. So because I hear so, I hear so many people just talk about like Sony CRT TVs though. Do you feel like the PVMs are still underrated and like a lot of people just haven't discovered them yet? No, no, no. PVMs are if anything, PVMs are overrated. If really? anything, yeah. If anything, PVMs are overrated in the sense that like I think too many I and that's coming from someone who has many PVMs, but like having a good consume what you're describing a sony crt a consumer television right and Mm -hmm. those just a regular plain old sony crt is just consumer television what what people would have back in the day buying from like best buy or whatever right Uh, or sam or not sam that's a music store fucking uh fries or something i don't know wherever you would fries yeah wherever you never have you ever been in a fries i have we don't have fries here yeah, they're weird. Um, but that's so PBMs are overrated because some of some like consumer sets are fucking incredible. They may not be quite as good as a PVM, but like they're really close and they're fractions of the cost. And no, often the, the, the model number doesn't start with like PVM or anything like that, does it? No, it does. So, yeah, no, a, a PVM will start with pvm and then numbers okay so if so that's you were a to look thing yeah if you were to go and see like so there's there's i have a pvm behind me and if you were to look at that it'll say well this one is actually a rebrand so this isn't actually a sony pvm this is the olympus monitor but it's a rebrand of a sony pvm so this one says something a little different but if it was the sony equivalent it would say sony pvm and then a bunch of numbers 20 m2 du2 or something like that okay and uh It'll say, not only will it say the model number, but it'll also actually say the year and the month that it was made. So that's a pretty cool, like you can find out when the tube was actually manufactured. Because that's the only thing that really has like a guarantee, like it has a light, like a kind of max lifespan, I think, is is that tube, like the actual vacuum tube inside the TV. Yeah, yeah. And like capacitors will go out too. Like you got to replace some of the electric components, you know, maybe, but uh, you know, this monitor behind me is actually, it's one of my latest ones and it was made from in 2004. So that's 17 years, but that's like 2004. You think that's really when like LCD technology was becoming way more prevalent, like started like the flat screen stuff and HD. And so but I've had PVMs all the way back from like the eighties, you know? Damn. So now I guess my next question is, um, I know there's multiple different sizes of them. Do you have any information like on the sizes? Like what's your favorite size to, I guess, use or collect? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good question because like, I think a lot of people see these little tiny ones, you know, I think the tiny ones are really popular in kind of the Instagram community, the eight inch ones and the five inch ones. People really like those. And I think it's really, they're so much less practical than, uh, than you might think. And like an, a little eight inch screen is something you're really never going to use. And I think at the very least it's worth getting a 14 inch 14 inch screen or larger. So like if you're going to get a PBM, get a 14 inch. If you're going to find a consumer television, like you can find 20 inches all day, 27 inches all day. And uh, 
you're looking for the for consumer televisions you're looking for something with component input so like not just the yellow but you you want to see the green and the, yep. the green and the blue inputs on the back uh because that means it's going to have component input it's way crispier Do the pbms have those yeah so pbms have usually either a scart input connector which is uh like a european style connector we yep. never really got those in the u.s uh but it's it's a it's like hdmi before hdmi essentially it's like a one cable um solution for analog technology um but then also oh like this one has bnc connectors which are like these uh, i don't even know how to describe it's like a locking a locking is it kind of like an is like an rf it kind of looks like that but it it's like a locking rf but not yeah but anyways if they have so this one has component which is the same thing as those like as the consumer set um just just a different connector type it's the same signal type though yeah um but do do pvms have remotes yeah there's some that have remotes uh this one might but i don't have it they don't have like a traditional version they don't have like traditional remotes I bet your remotes would be expensive because I know like when I'm at like thrift stores and things like that, I look for like Sony, Panasonic, things like that remotes. They're usually like $2.99 thrift store and they're usually 10 to 20 bucks per like per remote reselling on eBay. So yeah. I wonder if like the PVM remotes would have exponential more value. They definitely do. And it, it's, it's just weird. Like it's something you definitely don't come across often. I guess that's probably why. And they're like very, I feel like limited yeah. use cases. Like you don't really need it because I don't know, but yeah, that's awesome. I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a really cool niche hobby. Um, I guess I'm trying to remember like when I got into it, I think I remember getting, like I wanted, I picked up my first like CRT when I started getting into like retro gaming because I just want to like play N64 the way it was supposed to be played, like on a good CRT. Yep. And then once I got that, it just like all my hobbies do, it just snowballs. And like, <laughs> I was like, I need a PVM. They're so cool. And then I found, I found one locally for super good deal. And like, I found most of mine for like really, really good prices. And yep. it's hard in today's market with them because they've become so popular. Like it's, um, you know, I've actually like, truthfully, I've made a lot of money, like uh, buying and selling them just because not it's not like something I actively do right now, but like the way I've they take up a lot of space, right? So like I can't yeah. keep I can't keep all the PVMs I get. So I've been like yeah. one sometimes I'll I'll sell ones I get and doing that I've made money and been able to get these these monitors for free just because of you can you can still find them for extraordinarily cheap or free by emailing uh, or reaching out to like old video production studios, television production places, hospitals that are in your area that might be uh, newer, maybe they're doing remodeling or stuff like that. Like be, be a little crafty with them. Cause I, I mean, one of the greatest, greatest pickups of my life, I'd say was one of the first days I moved into my apartment up in uh, upstate New York. 
I was I was like bored and I was like, ah, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll see what production studios are in the area, like hit them up for PBMs and stuff, because yeah. it's something I had done before in Jersey. So I did. And I probably emailed like oh, 15 or something like 15 in a 40 mile radius or something. And because uh, you'd be surprised how many there are like and how many local radio stations or local TV studios there are or, and everything. Yeah. Is online now, all that information is online. So I hit them up and they got back to me and like, yeah, we, we actually do have like a, a PVM and yeah, like we'd love for it to go to a good home. Like it's just sitting collecting dust. Is, it kinda, the- is, there, is your email just kind of like a, Hey, uh, I'm looking for old PVMs. If you guys have any laying around, yeah, take no, them it's, off your hands. It's literally, yeah, it's literally like that. It's like, Hey, uh, you know, I, I'm looking for old, I say PVMs or, you know, old, older tube style televisions, uh, cause I'm emailing production studios. They're not going to have like CR they might, but usually it is a PVM. They just might not yeah. connect that, you know, or uh, old CRT broadcast monitors. I'll say stuff like that. And I'll list off prop popular brands like Sony, Ikigami, uh, JBC, Panasonic. Uh, and usually, so just like, just like we do with video games, you know? Um, and then, yeah. so I say, yeah. And so, so yeah, this lady contacts me. She's like, I just have this this old Sony PVM collecting dust in the corner. She sends me a picture and it's a, it's a 20 inch dude. And I'm like, Oh my God, like a 20 inch PVM. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, like I just wanted to go to a good home. Like, uh, like no worries. Like come, come by and grab it. I'm in Ithaca. And I was like, Oh wow. And so I look up her address and it's literally a block away. <laughs> like I shit you not. You're like, walking. Oh, I, I, if it wasn't a 70 pound monitor, I, it's a it's a one minute walk you could have crawled there 100 percent one yeah. minute walk so it was like so wild it just goes to show you like people just have this stuff and like for pvms especially like video games would be pretty tough to do that nowadays to just get stuff for free like that um but in terms of like yeah. getting pvms for good deals or free i've had this happen multiple times uh because off their alternative is to pay recycling fees or or sell it if they yeah. don't want it. But a lot of the times, they're what what people are thinking in that situation is like giving that monitor to a recycling uh, a recycling place, and they charge money. So to have you come take it away for free, oftentimes they see that as a benefit, like better than their other option. Exactly. So it's that's awesome. Fun. Yeah, Dude, that was such great information on that. Thank you. A hundred percent. I knew that was gonna be perfect for you because I knew I knew dog shit about pvm so that is a great thing um i guess going to any like i know you do a lot of more modern gaming than i do fucking i don't do any mm. gaming at all um <laughs> what are you talking like what do you know about uh uh modern like gaming monitors like what kind yeah. do you have do you do you know so like about those i don't know like so like i don't keep up to date i would say as much as i do but like it's huge to have. So the biggest thing is going from like a 60 refresh rate is the biggest thing. That's what I want to say. It's like refresh rate. So like a monitor's refresh rate is basically how many frames Ooh, my internet connection is unstable. So I hope this doesn't cut out, but should be okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. All right. We're good. So basically uh, refresh rate is how many frames a monitor's run rendering. Uh, I, I think it's a second or yeah yeah it's a second 
Uh, and it's, so it's like FPS, isn't it? Yeah, frames per second. Well, FPS correlates with uh, the the refresh rate of a monitor. Basically, okay. the maximum refresh rate of your monitor is the maximum FPS a monitor can like theoretically display without screen tearing, without the without the monitor basically getting out of sync with itself. So having a higher refresh rate, higher refresh rate monitor uh, is is what you want for a gaming monitor nowadays. It's like you need a, at least 120 hertz or 144 hertz. Um, I see. Yeah. But other than that, awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. Like I, I know there's like OLED, OLED technology too. So like versus LCD. So OLED is just like another, uh, another type of display, and people are really, uh, really raving about that. So future that one spongebob episode where squidward's in the crusty crab and they're in 2040 or whatever and it's all silver and he's just on the ground screaming future exactly apologize if you can hear my dog going ballistic molly calm down no, um, all good. I, I feel like you need to sit down take a sip of beer and let me talk about something now what's next yeah, yeah actually this is a good <laughs> one for you because uh we're talking about how cultural zeitgeist like Gary Vee and Logan Paul shifted the collecting uh, culture. And yeah, just what do, we, what do we think about that? You know a lot about both. I know you know a lot about Gary Vee and I think you know. Yeah, about so, Paul, so we talked about Logan Paul on the last episode, I believe, with his BGS 10 Charizard. So we can get into that, I guess, second. So Gary Vee, I started listening to him like December of 2018, just at my internship, sitting at a desk shop all day, being bored. I'm adventuring to new things i'd listen to him like non-stop because i mean he's a entrepreneur mark marketing guru and that's what i like to see myself as maybe without the guru but i majored in marketing entrepreneur aspects in my life so i took a lot of what he said into my daily life um and he knows a lot and he knows a lot about culture and how it affects the market so he's i guess looking at it from a sports card point of view he's always been big into sports cards and people say he's pumping the market or things of that nature and they give him credit for that but i guess it's just like i don't think he's pumping the market i think it's just a guy talking about his hobbies but the fact that he has such a big following it can be seen as pumping the market like if me and ryan or og retro or whatever are talking about the evolution's Charizard. It's not going to do anything to the market. We're just talking about something that we like. But if Gary Vee talks about it, it's like, oh my God, he's pumping the market. He's got 10 of them. Now he's going to sell them. But he's came out and said, like, when he talks about, like, the beginning of this season, he was huge on Kevin Durant cards. And Kevin Durant was hurt all last year. So his cards were kind of down in price. And he's like, guys, like... Kevin Durant is the, is the guy like he is a good basketball player. His cards are down right now. He's coming off of injuries with a new team. Like you guys need to buy Kevin Durant rookies mm-hmm. and people are saying, Oh, he's pumping the market. Just he's selling off his Kevin Durant rookies now, but he's, he's came out in videos and I believe him. He's like, listen, I have 15 Kevin Durant rookies or whatever. And I've sold zero of them. Like I am holding these. And then Kevin Durant goes on to have a great season. He's, he's the guy in the playoffs. He puts the nets on his back for two games. They end up losing to the Bucks because they couldn't stay healthy. But, I mean, that team's coming back next year with a vengeance. And if they can stay healthy, the Nets are going to win the uh, championship next year. Yeah. So he – I guess you get into the aspect of are these big cultural people, like, good for the market or bad for the market? 
And I think it's just it's just people talking about what they like. Like, obviously, he's a, he's a businessman and an entrepreneur and a motiv- motivational speaker, but he has hobbies. I mean, Logan Paul has his YouTube career and his podcast and his, I guess, fighting career now. Um, but he also has hobbies. We've talked about Logan Paul and Logic. Like, they grew up with Pokemon cards. So the fact that they have money right now, like if you've got 40k to spend why wouldn't you spend 40k on base set pokemon cards and relive your childhood i know if we had the money we'd do it i'd do some silly stuff like that 100 percent. and it's i think it's just them talking about what they like and what they enjoy and gary v is big on his he wants his audience to win his his thing that he always says that i haven't listened to him much probably since i graduated college mm. um I don't know if I've followed, fall, falled, fallen. Fell. I don't know if I've fell. fallen off of him or just, I, I fell, I fell off. I've fallen. I think fallen. <laughs> um, but I, I know what he has to say and it's just implementing it into my daily life. But like he wants his audience to win. So I think when he gives advice, take it and run with it. Like he, I was in this, I guess the question talked about NFTs too, didn't it? Yeah. So like what Gary yeah, v like, came out with his own Gary NFT recently called. So Gary V came out with his own NFT recently called V friends. And it was just a bunch of like characters with motivational names. So like courageous coyote and buzzing bee or things like that. And they started a Dutch auction and I had, it was for sale on vfriends.com and you paid with Ethereum and I had bought an Ethereum at the time. So I think it was, I paid $2,700 for my Ethereum at the time. And I guess all the buzz around that uh, mixed with other things drove the price of Ethereum up. And I didn't end up buying a V friend because I was, tr- so the V friend, it was your NFT. So it was your digital art, but it also had perks to it. So the basic one got you into starting in 2022. So 2022, 2023, and 2024, he was going to have a conference. And by owning that NFT, you had free admission to the conference. It's pretty cool. So so yeah, he's doing more things with, he's using those as like a ticket. And he also had like gift, he called them gift goats, where he would send you like three care packages a year. With, who knows what's going to be in them? Or he had ones that was like, if you buy this NFT twice a year, you get to have brunch with me. Or oh, wow. twice a year, you get, twice a year, you get to come garage sailing with me. That's wild. So those were, requ- I didn't have 20 Ethereum, $40,000 to spend on those ones. But right. I was in this weird place where when I bought the Ethereum, it was $2,700. And when the NFTs went live, Ethereum was like $4,500. So I was trying to weigh my options of, do I want to buy this NFT or keep my Ethereum and hopefully profit on it? And I didn't end up buying an NFT. And I'm kind of wishing that I did because yeah. Gary Vee has talked about with these, like he is making it his life goal to make these worth it. And they're for sale on, I believe the website that you can resell NFTs is called OpenSea. So yeah, people are like reselling that. these on OpenSea and they're nowhere near where they were at drop. Where like when people were buying them at the Dutch auction, I think the cheapest one is like 2.5 Ethereum right now. And when they were selling, they got down to like 0.8 Ethereum. So but they're up in price? They're up in price. So people are reselling them up in price. Now, I think a lot of people are holding because they don't know what's still going to happen with them. Like he's having these these conferences. Um, 
but is he also going to do something additional with them? I mean, NF- an NFT is such a relatively new thing in the whole collecting scheme of things. You really just don't know where the world's going to go with them. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. I. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like a crazy concept to me, but I think in collectibles, it's... Uh, and so NBA sick. Top Shot was another NFT that was so hot, but that's died off. Yeah. And I mean, how are you going to keep this around and make it a cultural thing? I think it's it's a lot harder having something digi- digital, like you're owning something digital versus physical. Obviously, the physical version of something, so like an actual physical sports card, is going to have so much more value than the digital version in an NBA Top Shot moment. So I guess Gary Vee took that and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to make something physical out of this digital thing by making a ticket to a conference every year or giving you physical objects based off of you owning specific NFTs. So I think he did a very good job with that. And I don't think there obviously are people that do manipulate the market. And I guess you can see it in like crypto. Maybe Mm. if you see Mm. some influencers, like, pumping like a shit coin like some coin that nobody cares about like i don't know just some random coin on some random website maybe the owner of that coin gave that influencer like ten thousand dollars in it because like here here's ten thousand free dollars in this random altcoin right. pump it on your social medias and then when they pump it and get all their people to buy it then they just sell it and they profit 20 grand or whatever right so you can get into some slimy stuff there where people are doing stuff but i think in like the pokemon card market specifically it's just it's people with money doing what they like yeah i think a lot of it's that there is some shady shit but you you want to think for the most part people are doing it because they like it you know yeah I mean, they're, they're educating, like Gary Vee's done a lot of educational videos where versus like Logan Paul, who just kind of does these openings on stream for like fun. But it, like I said, if I had the money to do it, why wouldn't I? And you're just yeah. thinking of those people who are, who are jealous and say, oh, they're pumping the market. Oh, they don't actually like this stuff. But it's that's what comes with having such a big following. And wh- what do you think when a new person like Logan Paul comes out and starts doing this or like posts Malone and like he talked about like doing something with like Katy Perry or something like that. Do you think it's good for the market, bad for the market, good yeah. for the community, bad for the community? I think it's a, I think as long as they're doing it in a positive way, it's always good. Like more publicity, uh, more good publicity for the market is only good in, in both of the yeah. ways you just said, you know, like economically and like, getting people interested and excited and passionate and like that kind of thing. Like, I think, uh, I think a very small minority of people kind of ripped on like the Pokemon company when they did the collab with Katy Perry. But like, I think if you really think about it, like that's dope. Like number one, Katy Perry's a fucking icon. (laughs) And, and it's, and it's like, it's, it's elevating this, this hobby that we all love and keep very close to us to like another level kind of it's fucking cool fox 2 news and cnn were never doing news stories on the latest wayne wayne gretzky card to sell but now every time a wayne gretzky card sells it comes out on the news and the only negatives i see from this the only negatives i see from this so like 
back when like the whole first print sticker seals Reve like Mario Bros were selling like in heritage auctions for crazy money just using this as an example it like, goes for Pokemon cards or sports cards or anything like that these new stories come out and just your typical Joe and Sally sitting at home with their family of three watching the nightly news while they eat chicken parm and rice uh they see these like oh my god I have this N64 in the garage with Madden 06 NHL 94 and FIFA World Cup and they, then they think they have gold so right. when you go to their garage sale, you <laughs> ask for video games, and they're like, oh, I just saw in the news a Mario sold for $140,000. This stuff <laughs> must be worth $100,000. Yeah. That's the only negative I get from it. When you start, like, my dad would text me, like, hey, I just saw this on the news. Like, right. And then it's got my dad sitting in the basement, shifting through his shoeboxes full of baseball cards, like, from when he was a kid <laughs> looking for stuff. And it's just like, my dad's a heart. My dad works 14 hours a day. Like, if he has time to then come downstairs in the basement, sift through baseball cards, so many more people are doing it and then they think they just have gold on their hands and it's it was already more it was already difficult enough to explain to people like hey you don't have gold but now it's just even more difficult so that's that's the only negative i see yeah no that's a good point uh 100% 100% my dad did have some good stuff though we had a we had, i think i sent off four or five cards to PSA for him. He didn't get much, but I mean, I mean, he didn't get high grades, but he got good return. Like he had Nolan Ryan rookie cards, Robin Young rookie yeah. cards, Johnny Bench rookie cards, like iconic players from like the 60s and 70s. So can I just send him off to uh, PSA? That was back when I could send cards for $9 a card in bulk. Oh, the good um, old days. But I kind of sent him just off just to get him in a plastic case. And it was, he, he, it was cool to see his reaction, like seeing his childhood cards in like a, plastic case like protected forever and like graded it was it was cool to see his reaction now he's like some but now he's like some give me the money i don't care about him anymore yeah but it was cool (laughs) that was cool uh let's talk about collecting and what we might or may not do your dad chose to you know get rid of some of his collection what are we doing with what are our long-term collecting goals and what's the 10-year plan for the collection go ahead i need a sip of beer all right. Uh, so I guess my long-term collecting goals, right off the bat, I want to continue to focus on like games of my childhood, kind of like collecting stuff uh, from my childhood and whether, cause I, at this point I have most of those things. Right. But I guess my, my, my focus is kind of shifted to like, cib copies or sealed copies graded copies so like i knocked off a huge one sealed sealed graded copy of silver right and uh i've got coming back from wada now god of war 2 sealed uh so like that's a huge ps2 game so i think more stuff like that like i want to i want to have like an archive of games that are just like my childhood classics god of war 2 sly cooper uh, Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, Pokemon Fire Red, uh, Pokemon Red, uh, uh, Star Wars Pod Racer, uh, like some of uh, World of Warcraft. Like, oh my God, I, bet, I wonder if I can get a World of Warcraft game created. Probably. Um, I have to go VGA. Yeah, but that would be really cool. Something like that. Like, I just want to continue to get these like collection pieces that are like meaningful in that way where it's like, I, like the best parts of my collection are the ones that remind me of the, the childhood aspect for sure. So like, that's a video game. And then like, I guess the, the, 
like my card collections, I'm pretty satisfied with like what I have. And I think really the only other collection goals would be like, I do want a first edition Lugia from Neo Genesis. So like that would be cool. And then maybe one day, like some, some more, like I want to continue to add my vintage sealed product collection. Yeah. But that's really it. Nothing too now, when you because I'm, I'm when you satisfied. grow up and when when you grow up become a big boy RDM, when you get your bro. when you get your own house and you have mm. a dedicated space for it yeah. do you think you'd ever go for full sets of anything like would you want a full GameCube set would you want no. a full no well I mean I have like I'm close to the N64 full set so I guess I would do that like, yeah it's not and that it doesn't take up that much room and that's what I'm at like. N64, I'm going for a full set just because there's 296. I'm at like 245. I enjoy it. Um, uh, Wii U, I'm going for the full set just because it's a, a smaller library and I feel like it's underappreciated and a lot of the games are still cheap. Um, going for the full set of Nintendo Powers. I love the way Nintendo Powers look when they're in a full set and all stacked up. Now, I have a question. Because you yeah. don't play your... Like, you don't play that many games and... You don't have like these when you're collecting going for these full sets like what's driving that i think it's more of like the achievement like the goal achievement mm-hmm. i enjoy adding stuff to the collection that i don't have for those sets like it's just yeah. it, it, I have it's goal literally the collective like, it's the collecting aspect of yeah it. it's yeah. yeah so and it's like i i i guess if i had my own space and my mm-hmm. girlfriend or wife then at the time wouldn't ring me a new one. I think it'd be cool to go for more full sets, but I also don't want it to be cluttered. And like, I don't want row. I don't know if I'd want rows of games in my basement. Yeah. But like yeah. N64, it's quote unquote easy. It's one of the smaller sets. We use one of the smaller sets. Um, I love the way um nintendo powers like i was saying look when they're all stacked up like the spines mm-hmm. make a photo so that's cool. and even like when i'm selling nintendo powers which i have a bunch tonight um when i'm selling nintendo powers in the claim sale like looking through them and pointing out the inserts or cool pages that looks sweet um and then i guess just long-term goals continue adding for free like mm-hmm. i've been doing and then continue upgrading so finding yeah. label upgrades where i can finding finding boxes and manuals where i can things like that that's a good I don't point. think I'll stop anytime soon. Yeah, and it's like, and then like, what would uh, do you think you'd sell anything? I guess if like I've always said, like my collection's one hundred percent free. Um, so if something happened where I needed medical help, or my girlfriend or family needed medical help, sell stuff to pay for that. If the truck took a shit tomorrow, buy a new truck or something like that. Or even like if the stuff still has value when I'm 55 or whatever, sell it all off and buy a beach house. Yeah. Like yeah, I had the time, I, I had the time of my life collecting. And I think I think having this stuff too when I have kids will just be great. Like showing my like I think I'll have a yeah. lot more fun playing these games with my kids. I'm not a big solo oh, yeah. gamer. So playing these games with my kids will be amazing. I agree. And that's why like I'll never get rid of like the actual like setup like that i have like this the pvm the crt monitors and like like the actual functioning consoles and the the core of my collection i'll never get rid of that some of the some of the maybe more higher value things could go if i wanted to pay like you said paying for various things or just 
you know, and I think it's important to say, like, you can enjoy something for, there's nothing wrong with enjoying something for a time and then letting it go to get something else. Yeah. And I guess I, I don't really like, I've never, not really have I ever pulled anything from my shelves and just sold it. Like, I'm not, I'm not, and this is not to like flex, but like the extra hundred dollars isn't going to like do anything for me right now. So it's like, I'd rather have that on the shelf to display and look at. Hopefully it goes up in value over time. Right. Like the stuff is going up in value over time. I see it as an invest and an investment and a lot of collections are investments. Right. And we've talked about on the, on the last episode, like why we enjoy collecting and that all goes into the stories behind it, playing with buddies, reminiscing on old times with buddies. I think just, like I said, just you said it too, growing it and upgrading it, I guess is the word is going to be the biggest 10 year plan. Oh yeah, dude. I, awesome. I think we couldn't have answered that better. Do we have anything else today, man? Any, uh, do we want to answer that all four topics? Question? That was all four topics, bro. Ooh, we had time for dinner before the claim sale. That's what I'm saying. Um, uh, we, we did have a viewer question this week and uh, we are going to start this off with, we are not financial advisors. We are just two dudes that talk to you and give you voice raise in your ears while you're driving and walking the dog. Uh, John Eaton asked us, how do you all report or record income for taxes or budgets when reselling? So I guess that's the biggest thing because people think that, well, you do, you should report your first dollar of income, I guess. And I guess where I'm going to take this is I just, I, I have an Excel spreadsheet of everything I've spent and everything I've made. That's how I budget. Everybody does their budgeting a different way. If you have a set number of dollars you want to spend each, each month on games, stick to that budget or me from a reselling standpoint, I like to see my profit. So that's just a simple Excel sheet. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess he's asking about tax too. So Mine's all done through Excel. And then I bring all my stuff to a CPA. I fucking can't do, uh, can't do taxes for shit. <laughs> I failed. I failed accounting. I think three times. Um, I also am like, bro. Investing. shout out my accounting teacher in college, Dinesh bot. There you dude, go. Would, dude would quote unquote, accidentally leave the answer key on the overhead projector during the <laughs> test. That's and awesome. you'd go up and ask him like, I, I really, I really do think it was an accident and he just didn't know. And like sweetest a, old man ever, you kind of understand him. He would ask for one or two students phone numbers first day of class. So he could oh, give yeah. it to his wife and the I wife had some would professors. call the wife would call the students before Unbelievable. just the sweetest old man. And, but accounting was a rough one. Yeah, no, but John, to answer your question, I have a professional do it. I record everything. Like Kuzi said, record what I pay, record what I sell for. And then I choose, depending on uh, what I'm taking, either good services, friends, family, that kind of what up payments. Uh, you're, supposed to re- you're supposed to report everything, but uh, you can, you know, you choose what to give to your account at the end of the day. And uh, I'm not saying you lie to the IRS, but they'll come after you anyways. But Okay, this brings me into a good thing. So... I guess that, that goes for Instagram selling. So on eBay selling before, I, I believe before this next coming year, um, eBay would only send you a 1099 form if you did 20,000 in now sales. Now it's like 600 bucks. Or like, two, or, like two, or like 200 transactions. Yeah. yeah. Now it's 600 bucks. I mean, I'm hitting that in a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can hit like, that. Someone can hit that a, one item. That's a, that's a 
big jump from 20 grand to 600. But I guess people are like, oh my God, why would I resell? Or like, why would I trade crypto? Or why would I trade stocks? You got to pay taxes on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you gotta pay, but if it means you're pay paying taxes, it means you're it means you're making money. Yeah, exactly. like you're never gonna like pay taxes and then be in the negative. Right, right, exactly. So, well, like what? But yeah, ninety percent of the time you're never gonna pay, or even more, you're never gonna pay taxes and be in the negative. Yeah. But like, if you're having to pay taxes, so it's just like paying fees. Like you're you're making money. People complain about their eBay fees. Oh, my eBay fees this month were three hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> All right, yeah. you sold a dick ton of inventory. Yeah, Be right. happy. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, man. I, and I wish we could, I wish we were uh, accountants so we could give you a little bit more in depth into how uh, it's actually done in terms of how people actually go ahead and account and do that. But, um, Bro, real quick story. Yeah. We were uh, probably junior year of college. So my, brother i don't know he's probably in sixth grade or whatever we're mm-hmm. sitting around the dinner table and he goes uh what's your hardest class yeah. and i go uh probably accounting and he goes what i go yeah accounting he goes counting's not hard and i was like no oh, not, not, not silly counting. boy silly i go boy. Uh, accounting it's totally different very different my friend very different <laughs> he'll learn one day he'll learn oh yeah i can't wait till that class gets to him <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. This is a good episode. Maybe a little bit shorter, but uh, again, congratulations to the to the giveaway winner. Uh, if you didn't see the announcement, that'll be on the page. Actually, giveaway winners. There'll be three winners. So, And yes. the winners will be contacted as well. Uh, remember to rate this podcast. Apple Podcast, give a five-star rating. Drop a comment. It really helps with the algorithm, that kind of thing. Spotify, same thing. Drop follows, all that. Uh, smash all the like buttons. Don't get too aggressive, but just, uh, you know, do, do that thing. And, uh, we appreciate y'all remember to tune in the live claim sale. Uh, usually 8 PM we're doing tonight at 7 PM. So 8 PM in the future, 8 PM Eastern time, uh, twitch.tv slash OG retro live claim sale. where We sell retro video games, modern video games, Pokemon cards, all the cool stuff. It's like a retro online thrift store. Yes. Uh, uh, very cool. Koozie, anything else, brother? Nope. Have a good night, everybody. Or a good night. start to your week. It's, it's yeah, Monday it's morning Monday. at 7 a.m. Monday, get that coffee in ya. Cheers. <laughs> See ya. Cheers.